Several weeks ago, I was in my study. I had a cup of coffee, and I don't usually drink um, out of regular mugs, but I had made some coffee, and so I was using a regular mug. And I looked over after a while, and it had gotten cold, so I decided to take it up to the microwave along with my travel mug, put it in there to keep it warm. And so I put it in the microwave, then I poured it into my travel cup, put the lid back on it, took a sip while I was still at the sink. And um, I don't know about you, but um, when I drink coffee, it's not usually chewy. <laughs> I, maybe for you it is. I, I, I don't know. And, and, and so I, something's in my mouth and I'm thinking, I don't think my travel mug had been sitting that long. You know, sometimes how you get a film, you know, it's just nasty. Kind of, and I'm thinking, wow, that, I, I didn't think it had been sitting that long. But immediately, you know, I, I, if I had taken a bite of caramel, I would have expected that consistency. But it wasn't. So immediately I spit it into the sink, thinking I would see, you know, this film that... Um, uh, but instead, it was a bug. <laughs> you want me to describe which kind of bug it was? <laughs> and I looked at that, and I thought, boy, I'm really glad I spit that out instead of just thinking it was film and chewing it up and... But my immediate response, because it was something that I knew shouldn't be there, was to spit it out. Maybe in other cultures where they eat bugs, they would have thought that was a bonus. <laughs> but in our culture, most of you, I think, would agree with me that I made the right choice. Correct? And so there was the bug. I'm going, that's not right. But it occurred to me, because I've been working on um, this message, that my immediate response to something that wasn't right, that, that shouldn't be there, was to get rid of it, to spit it out. To, and, and, I, and, and my immediate thought was, am I that quick with thoughts that should not be in my mind, that should not be entering into my hearing? that should not be entering through my eyes? Am I that quick to get rid of those? And I don't think I am. Not all of them. Because we don't often recognize the bugs that try to get into our minds and our hearts and our souls. So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about... Um, what enters our heads, thinking, the thoughts, because that's where we are in the book of Philippians. But, but before we get into it, I want us to pause and pray because there's so many things that we don't recognize, as I've been talking about throughout the service, that we don't recognize, that only the Holy Spirit will cause us to see that it's really bad thinking. So, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one of us ways that we are allowing thoughts, images, ideas, 
that are not of you, that we don't even know that aren't of you. God, that, that you would identify those things and that you would make them as disgusting as that bug in my coffee was. That you would cause us to be so filled with your spirit that we will reject the things that are not of you. So Lord, give us your eyes, give us your ears, give us your heart today to think like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So open up your outline and you're going to need your Bible. Anybody need a Bible? We got some Bibles in the back we can hand out. Anybody? Everybody good? All right. Today we want to talk about stinking thinking or fragrant focus. And I, I think I mentioned last week, it's stinking without an, a G if you're from southern Ohio where I grew up in hillbilly land. But where Sheila grew up, it would be stinking thinking. <laughs> so choose whatever you want. Stinking thinking is that which is the opposite of God. That which is, that causes us um, to give off the aroma of death or hurt or anger because it lives in us. Fragrant focus is being aligned with God so that the aroma of Christ emanates from us. What we put into our minds, what we put into our hearts, will determine so much in our lives. So let's talk about some actions to move from stinking thinking, those things that are away from God, opposite of God, on the trajectory away from God, to this fragrant focus that aligns us with him. Number one, first action is that we need to admit our stinking thinking. We need to admit that we have it. That it is our default. Bad thinking is our default. Because um, when Adam and Eve were created perfect in the garden, they were right side up. When they chose to rebel against God, it turned everything upside down. And so we're born with a nature that gravitates towards stinking thinking. That gravitates, that our natural um, way is not towards God. Not God thoughts, but rather the exact opposite. I think those in the room who have accepted Christ as Savior would say that we want to have God's mind. Um, I think that would, you know, we, we would say that. But the problem is we're not aware of those things um, that get into our minds that are upside down from the world. Isaiah chapter 55, turn there. The, uh, verses 8 and 9 are our memory verses. But the previous verses tell us how we can begin to think like God. Isaiah chapter 55, beginning with verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Okay, pause there. Seek the Lord while he may be found. In other words, we have to turn 
the opposite direction. We need to do a 180. In verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way. Why? Because our natural inclination is to go away from God. Wicked is away from God. It's doing the opposite of God. The unrighteous man, his thoughts. So our natural inclination is to think not God thoughts, but thoughts that are away from God. Sinful thoughts, selfish thoughts, self-focused thoughts. And so the only way to think God thoughts is to recognize that our natural inclination is not to think his thoughts, but we need to do a 180 degree turn. And then he says, when we do that, when we repent, when we seek God with everything that we've got, when we look to him, we're willing to obey him, surrender, listen, obey. We're willing to do whatever he says. We're willing to turn away from anything he says that is wicked. We're willing to change the way of our thinking to from our thinking to his thinking. Then he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways or neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, then he will put his thoughts in us. But our, we need to accept the fact that what we naturally think is probably wrong. And human nature thinks they're right. Anybody want to disagree with that? We think we're right. And we have a hard time admitting that we're wrong. So it's our default. And another problem is that we're blind to it. Not only when somebody tells us we're wrong, do we not want to admit it and admit it's our default, but oftentimes we don't even realize. So oftentimes our stinking thinking isn't even obvious to us. We don't even think that it's bad. Sometimes because of our pride, we just don't want to humble ourselves, right? We want to believe that we're right. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. We feel bad that we're wrong. We don't, and so we're blind to it. Sometimes it's because we're just not aligned enough. We haven't learned enough. We haven't grown enough. And so we don't even, we don't even realize it. Um, because the Christian life, when you accept Christ as, as Savior, Jesus talked about it being born again because it's, we're born Again, and, and we're babies and we have to grow. And uh, a toddler has a different way of thinking than an adult, an adult. So when we're toddlers, we don't even realize that we're thinking wrong. So we're blind to it. Um, Jesus, as he was headed to the cross, he turned to his disciples and he said, all of you will betray me. Their immediate response was what? No, no, we won't do it. And Peter, uh, you know, of all of them, he goes, no, if, even if all of these others betray you, I will die for you. He was blind to the fact that he had stinking thinking. The stinking thinking was, I will preserve myself. I will protect myself. I think that I will remain loyal, but in actuality, I will betray. That was lodged in the depths of who he was. And we're just that blind. Stinking thinking is our natural default. Stinking thinking is also, we're blind to so much of it. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Here's the, the psalmist admitting that he doesn't really know himself. And, and so, I write this down. We need to constantly pray this prayer. 
Search me, God, and reveal who I really am. Because we're so blind. We get so blind to ourselves. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Here's the psalmist is saying, I recognize that I've got stinking thinking. And I recognize that there are places that I'm blind to it. I don't even know that I'm doing it. So God, search me. Because we don't know where we're blind until God reveals it to us. We don't know that we need to correct it until God reveals it to us. People in our lives can tell us till they're blue in the face and we won't buy it until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us enough to make us humble enough to recognize that we're blind. Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Right? We, we can think we're so right and be going the opposite direction. But the Lord weighs the heart. And then we need to admit our stinking thinking because it sets our trajectory. It sets our trajectory. Decades ago, um, the, the, um, what is it, computer programming? It was garbage in, garbage out. You've heard that? What goes in is what, you know, what comes out. Um, And so sometimes people, I get so mad at this computer. Not the computer. Right? It's either somebody who had something to do with programming or it's user error. It's not the computer. And so we, it sets our trajectory. What comes into our lives, what we follow sets our trajectory. And so Jesus says, follow me. And if we're following him, that sets our trajectory. If we reject that, we're going the opposite direction. What we put into our minds sets our trajectory in ways that we don't even realize. I love Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts his own mind is a fool. <laughs> and, and, and Proverbs talks about if, you know, people who won't take advice, people who won't listen to wise people are just foolish. Foolish meaning they're going the opposite way of God. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Aligning ourselves with God. It sets our trajectory. Mark 7, 20. To 23, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And how does it get into a person? Because we allow it in. It's what we allow in, in our thinking, and what we love, what we care about. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of a man come evil thoughts. Why? Because we filled our minds with things that make evil grow in us. Sexual immorality, theft, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within and they defile the person. What we think, what we watch, what we listen to, the conversations that we have, the things that go into our minds and our hearts set the trajectory for our lives. Never mind. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Sow a thought and you reap an action. What you put in your mind will determine what you do. Sow an act and you reap a habit. What you do repeatedly will become a lifestyle. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Because what we do continually, what we make a lifestyle, 
determines who we are. So a character and you reap a destiny. The people, so the disciple, Jesus came to the disciples and says, follow me, follow me. And those that followed him, they set the trajectory of their lives to be Christ followers. Those that said, no, I don't want to follow Christ, set the trajectory according to what they wanted and it was away from God. It's a habit. So our thinking, we need to admit that our, our way of life is stinking thinking. Number two, we need to take the action, the constant action to allow God to renew our minds. To allow God to renew our minds. Now, here, here, it's, it's cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So it's the Word of God used by the Spirit of God and a heart that is willing that allows our minds and our hearts to be renewed. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it, no matter how we, hard we try. We can make some adjustments, but we can't have our mind renewed except that the Holy Spirit does it. And so we have to allow God to renew our minds by cooperating with Him. There must be a moment in our lives when we plant a flag and say, I'm going to follow Christ. But from that point, we need to follow up on that. And that's how our minds are renewed. I'm going to follow Christ, whatever happens. Day after day after day. So a couple of scriptures that we looked at last week, in case you think I'm losing my mind and uh, you look at it and go, I think we just read that. Yes, because they're that important. So open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We need to allow God to renew our minds. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We need to allow God to renew our minds Verse 1 says, by giving ourselves completely to Him. A living sacrifice. We need to plant the flag and say, I belong to God and I will do whatever He tells me to do because I want to follow Him. And then in verse 2, He highlights the problem. He says, do not be conformed to this world. The problem is that we already are. Because of our sinful nature, we are following that which we think is right in our own eyes. What we want, what we think is best, that's the natural trajectory. And so he says, we need to plant the flag in the ground and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to continue to allow myself to be conformed, but rather I'm going to make the 180 degree turn and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to conform or to transform me by the renewing of, our, of my mind. So he says, do not be conformed any longer. Stop and turn, but then be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind is by changing what you put in it. If I'm going this direction away from God, there's a lot of stuff that I'm putting in my mind that's leading me that direction, affirming that direction. Every once in a while, I probably feel guilty about something and maybe I... You know, I, I do something nice because I don't want to feel like I'm a really bad person. And then I make excuses and then I continue on that path. But if I decide I'm going to follow him, 
I begin to put different things in my mind. I begin to allow the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God, the, the truth that comes from good teachers, the conversations with other believers, times like our prayer gathering when we're surrendering, we're listening, and we're, we're seeking God with all that we've got so that our minds, our trajectory of our minds is different. That's the, the big purpose of the loyalty lessons this summer is every day taking a scripture, asking God to reveal what, it, what does it mean to be loyal to Him, putting in our minds... The truth. That's why every year we have a devotional book that we encourage you every day. Read this slowly. Let the Holy Spirit use us because it's recalibrating. It's transforming us from the old way of thinking to God's way of thinking. That only happens as the Holy Spirit has something to work with. And then as our minds are transformed, then we can know what the next step is. Then you can, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Okay, then the next step. Okay, that's what God wants me to do. The next step. That's what God wants me to do. The next step. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. Transformation of our minds so that we begin to think like God. There are some, and you'll hear Christian teachers and pastors on the radio, TV, who will tell you that's not possible. We have a sinful nature. We can't help it. You know, we'll always be sinful. We'll always, you know, we just have to do the best that we can. But according to the Bible, scripture that I just read in Philippians 4.13, which we've been looking at, where he says, I can do all things. The things that God tells me to do do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. If God says it, then the, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by my cooperating with the Holy Spirit in obedience, it can be done. Our minds can be transformed if we put the effort into it. We need to set our, our minds on things of the Spirit. So, Flip back a couple of pages to Romans chapter 8. Herb, I think we looked at this scripture last week too. Yes, we did. Because it's so important. If we're going to allow God to renew our minds, we have to turn away from all the things that are not of God. And we need to set our minds on the things that are of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And so here, a moment of meddling. What is it that you give your mind to as you go through your week? This scripture says, if you are living according to the flesh, you've got your mind set on earthly things. That's where you put your mind. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Transformation is not a magic wand. It's a lifestyle of turning away from the things that are not of God and setting our minds on the things that are of the Spirit. Amen. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. In the last few years, we have heard 
of high-profile Christians, some of them that I had respected and loved to hear their teaching, have a, have a hidden lifestyle that was of the flesh. And people, and, and, the, and our, our question is, how could that happen? Here's the answer. Unbeknownst to the people, some of them that were closest to them, they had their mind on the things of the flesh. And if your mind is on the things of the flesh, the trajectory of your life is to follow that. And eventually you will give in to those sins. You can't help it. It's a law. It's a principle that those who set their minds on the flesh, according to the flesh, set their minds on the, on uh, those who set their minds on the flesh, back up. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Things of this earth. And as a result, they're moving away from God. For the mind that is, verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And thus, it cannot be transformed. It's a principle. So, the question is, are you allowing God to renew your mind? And the answer isn't yes or no. It's as I look at my life and what I spend my time thinking on, either I am or I'm not. That's the, that's the measure. It's not good intentions. It's not what I desire. It's not, well, I'm having my quiet time every day. It's, it's what am I focused on? Because what I'm focused on will send me in that particular trajectory. Number three. Then we admit that we have minds that are stinking thinking. We allow God to renew our minds by turning away from the thoughts of this world and turning towards Christ. Number three, then we align our thought standards with God. This is a 24-7 commitment. Yes. This renewing process must be constant. Mm -hmm. Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, how can you bless the Lord at all times? Because you have your mind on God. The context for your life is God. Mm -hmm. um, now, it doesn't mean that... Um, for 24-7, we're just thinking, we're just reading the Bible, we're sitting, we're meditating. No, it means we are living in this environment whereby our, our default is becoming thinking about God. Um, because if, if you are an engineer and you are designing a bridge that I'm going to drive over, when you are designing that bridge, I want you focused on the math. Amen? I don't want you looking at the math and then, oh, I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. I hope this works out. I don't want you to hope it works out. So you have to be, so in our work lives, in our, our chores and all those things, we, we got to be thinking about other things. But the, here's how to know if, you, if your trajectory is changing. When you have a moment of quiet, what does your mind go to? When you wake up in the morning, 
what immediate, where does your mind go? When you lay down at night and you're, before you fall asleep, where's your mind? The trajectory, as, as our minds are transformed, the natural inclination will be God thoughts. Good morning, Lord, when you wake up. Good night, Lord. Thank you for the day that you gave me when you go to bed. When you're driving along and you know, you, you're, your mind's not focused on a lot of things, is it going to, God, what are you up to? Or is it worry? Because worry is the enemy of transformed mind. Worry is this reputation, it's a regurgitation of all the stuff that we're not giving God control of. Where is your mind going? Align ourselves with who God is and his ways. One of our difficulties, because we're born again and we are our babies, when we come into this relationship with God, is we don't naturally know what God things are. That has to be developed as well. We are upside down by default. Isaiah 55 um, tells us it requires intentional, intentional effort to turn to Him. Um, it's common for us to think something is good when it's not. Or to think something is bad when it's not. Mm -hmm. Until we are so immersed into the, the word of God that we know what he thinks. Amen. So, and that's why a culture without God standards, God values, calls good bad and bad good. So I grew up out in the country, most of you know. And uh, certain times of the year there would be this aroma that would waft across the property. Strawberries, yeah. And the, when the city folks would come out and visit us, if it was that particular time of year, and they would get this aroma hitting their nose as it wafts across the property, they would scrunch up their nose and go, what is that smell? What is that stink? How can you stand to live out here with that smell? If there happened to be a farmer visiting us at the same time, their response would be something like this. That is the sweet aroma of crops. Amen. Now, the city slicker smelled manure and thought it was bad. But just because it smells bad doesn't mean it's bad, right? I mean, you don't want it in your bedroom, right? But you certainly want it on your fields where you're going to be growing crops. In the same way, oftentimes, if we're, if we're not immersed in the Word of God, we think something is bad when it's actually exactly what God needs to do. Right? How many times have you had some kind of pain in your life and your immediate response is, this is bad? Now, if you're not raising your hands, if you're not going yes every time, there's something wrong with you, right? We'll put you in a padded room somewhere because pain is not welcome. Pain is, feels bad. If I'm walking along and my leg starts hurting, I don't go, oh, joyous day. Praise God, my leg hurts. No. But if my, it, my response is, ah, pain, 
But then my second response needs to be, Lord, what is this about? Because we can't define, we don't know what anything is unless God defines it. Because good can be seen as, and so, and in our culture right now, there are so many things that are called good that are actually against God. And there are so, so many things that are actually um, considered bad that are of God. So we need to have our minds renewed, but then we have to align ourselves so that we're walking in step. And, and we are, we, we don't, and so as we get to these hard and fast rules and instructions of God, um, there's something in our nature that we don't like to be told what to do. Right? We don't like those hard effects. I can't tell you how many times Sheila will say to me, oh, don't touch that, that's hot. And my immediate response is to reach out. And she goes, why did you touch that? I told you it was hot. I said, I don't know. We've been married 45 years. I think you can trust me by now, Herb. If I say it's hot, it's hot. And then other times she'll go, smell this. And I go, and, and, and I'll smell, it's, it's the nastiest thing you ever smell in your life. I said, why would you want me to smell that? I don't know, I just wanted to share with you. <laughs> we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like hard and fast rules. And so our nature is to fudge on the rules, justify ourselves, rationalize, instead of stick with the commands of God. And so when God says, don't do it, we go, oh, well, maybe I can do it a little bit. So we need a standard. What are the standards? Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Because we are in the study of Philippians. We just need to take a little bit of time to get there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So chapter 4, we've been talking about all these actions that we need to take in order to have be, ha, experience God's contentment and confidence. And we come to this one, which is huge, and that is what we think, how we think. And so Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, in addition to not worrying, living in unity, standing firm, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now I want you to notice, that's not a suggestion. It's a command. He's saying, if you want to live with, and in verse 9 he talks about putting it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. If we want to be in step with God, our minds being transformed, living with joy and abundant life, then we have to have our minds renewed. We have to work hard at that, and we have to align ourselves with his thinking. So I put some statements there just to give you an idea of what he's talking about. Audience participation time, just a moment, is one of the ways to define what something is, is to see what it is not, the opposite. So audience participation, I want you to, as we go through each one of these, is to identify what it's not. If, 
We don't have a lot of time, but we'll take a moment. Now, notice these things are um, qualities that describe who God is and his ways. Every one of these. So he says, when, put your mind on these things. When you have time, when, when you have, um, in, make this the environment of what comes into your house, what comes into your mind, what comes into your car, what comes into your conversation. And if there's anything that doesn't qualify as these, spit it out. Just like that book. These things then are characteristics of God in his ways. First one, true. That is conformed with truth. What is really real? Things that are honest, things that are reliable. And I think it's fascinating to me um, that now in our culture, this is probably the number one one that we need to be focused on. Because there's so much that's purported as true and is not. Truth. Something that is conformed to truth. So what's the opposite? Lies. False. Deceit. What? Dishonest. Anything that's not reliable. Anything that's not true. How do you know if it's true? This is what's true. And if somebody says, oh, no, no, we don't fudge on the truth. Second one, honorable, that is dignified. Think about things that are worthy of respect by God's values. Worthy of respect, honorable, dignified. What's the opposite of that? What's that? You got to speak up. Those that dishonorable, things that should not be honored. Right? Things that are not worthy of respect. Vulgar. Vulgar. Which, now, um, metal moment. (laughs) What do you allow to come into your home through the picture that's connected to the cable or the antenna? Do anybody still use antenna? Or some service. What do you listen, what podcasts you listen to? What books do you read? What do you allow to come in that doesn't qualify as true? Which should eliminate most of the network news. Because you don't know. I mean, I, some of it's true, but you don't know. Honorable, dignified, vulgar. Number three, just. That is righteous. Right means right living, especially in relationship to other people. Conform to God's standard of what is right. The opposite? Wrong, biased. Deceit, unkind to other people. Number four, pure, wholesome. That is not mixed with moral impurity. One of the challenges for me are the books that I listen to. Because I love mysteries. I love puzzles, you know, stories that have puzzles. And it's hard to find them where you don't also have to put up with thoughts coming into your mind that are impure or unjust or unrighteous. 
Number five, lovely. This is really about love, being loving toward others that promotes peace, that is kind. The opposite of that is hurtful, hateful, spiteful, mean, ugly, jealous, vengeful. Number six, commendable. That is those things that are positive and constructive. Have you noticed that the natural, our natural human nature in our conversation about other people naturally degrades to what is destructive, critical, gossipy, instead of that which is positive and constructive. So here in this verse, these are the six qualities of, of that Paul, and, and I think he was just kind of, you know, listing the things that immediately came to mind. And then he kind of, and the next two are kind of, and if there's anything else that I just happened to miss, anything excellent or praiseworthy, that is anything of worth, anything that is of virtue. He says, think about these things. If we want to be transformed, that's the standard. That's how we know what we should be thinking of. He gives us the list. Now, there are a series of books I don't want to give up. So the question is, do I love God enough to say, I won't listen to those because they've got stuff in it that don't fit in this list. And, and, and everything in me wants to go, but God, it's just a story. And, and I think God's response is, well, hey, you can listen to it if you want to, but just understand you're not going to be as closely aligned with me when you're done with that book as you would have if you read a different book that has these qualities in it. How about you? As you think about your thought life, are you making excuses? That's so easy to do. Here's the, here, so here's the picture. When, if we're going to live making excuses, when you drink that cup of coffee and there's a bug in it, instead of spitting it out, you're chewing on it. No, that's not a picture that we want to have, is it? And you're just chewing on it, thinking that it won't matter. Would you bow your heads? In this moment, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one of us the places where we are thinking about the things that you want us to be thinking about. And that, God, you would reaffirm that. You would help us to kind of solidify that. And then I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us places where we're just chewing on the bugs. We're holding on to thoughts. We're holding on to habits and things that we like that have a trajectory that leads away from you. Give us the courage to say no to it. Give us the ability to see that they're really just trivial things, by and large. 
and that the benefit that we'll receive by surrendering them to you and turning to you will be far greater than anything that we could ever imagine. Lord, help us to overcome our hesitancy and give us a a determination, a fire within us to think your thoughts and to become like you. Make us the church, make us the people, make us the army that you want us to be. God, I, I pray that you would guide us as we go into the new study and learning community. And God, you would help us to know you better and, and get more skill in knowing how to know you better. Um, that we'll be prepared for whatever comes. Lord, we give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.